Vision family. Happy Easter week. Last Sunday was so special. We spoke on Palm Sunday and just had an incredible time of just loving on Jesus. And we focused on the topic of being dead to sin and alive to Christ. And that is a heart posture that he desperately longs for his bride to walk out on a daily basis. We need to live dead to sin, which in turn makes us alive to Christ. And so hope you're encouraged by it. Hope you're challenged. And we love you guys. I'm not over it. Are you guys over it? If you're over it, you can leave now. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Oh, no. I'm just kidding. Let's, um, let's just take, let's take a moment here. Um, I feel the Lord very heavy in this place. And I, I don't like what dad said. I, I want us to really act on this and not be quick to move. Let's, let's, let's take, let's take a moment. Um, yeah. Why'd you come this morning? It's a gift to God. Terry, why'd you come this morning? To be with family. Clint, why'd you come this morning? To seek him. Holly, why'd you come this morning? To seek him. Larry, why'd you come this morning? worship him. Kyle, why'd you come this morning? To be surrounded by love. There's one common thread to all of this, and it's we're hungry. I just want to know where your hearts are at this morning, because the why you came will determine how you leave. Man, I'm just like, ah, I, I don't know where to, I do know where to go, but I'm like, when can I go there yet? 
You ever have that feeling when you're just standing there and, and you're just really weak in the knees? Like, I could fall over right now. But for those of you who came and you're hungry to seek him, to give to him, those of you who came to be surrounded by love, you came to be surrounded by Jesus. So I just want us to act on this real quick before we get started. Well, we are, we've already started. <laughs> We're already starting. So for every person here, just put, just put your hands out. We're going to start here. Just put your hands out. And the very thing that you came here for, which should be Jesus, and from what you've told me, it is Jesus, I want you to just tell him, come and move. Just tell him, invite him into your heart to just rip it into a million pieces. Why? Because we don't want our hearts, we want his. We want his. So just take this moment with your hands out, and if it causes you to need to get out in the aisle and to kneel because we're in the presence of the king, or if you need to get up and walk around, I want us to have this freedom here to enable Holy Spirit to move and to manifest himself to you in a real, legitimate way. Let him touch you. If you need to come up here, get up here and let him touch you. If you need to get out, in your, out of your seat, if you need to kneel in the aisle, kneel in the aisle. Position yourself for him to touch you. But don't just seek for him to touch you. Seek, for, seek to give him something costly. Isn't that why we're here? We're here to give him the praise that's due his name. This is church. It's a bridal call of the bride and her husband. We're coming closer. We're closer to him than we've ever been. How are we going to respond to it? And from what you all have told me this morning, you're hungry. You want him. So what's stopping you? Come and get him. Come and get some of him. But I promise you, he's the only person that will give you all when you give him all. There's no room for Jesus and. There's no room for Jesus and Kyle. There's no room for, for, for Jesus and Marley. There's no room for Jesus and Dana. There's only room for Jesus. Romans 8. But first, I'm going to start in Romans 6, 5. If the Lord's ministering to you, just sit there and just let this wash over you. Just let this wash over you. For we have been united with him in a death like his, and we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. That's how you can live like Jesus. Because you die with him and you're raised with him. And if you're here this morning and you've not died with him, please do not leave here this morning without making that decision. And you may be sitting in here and this may seem foreign to you, but I promise you we serve a real, true God. And I'm not gonna waste time trying to explain why I think he's real. Because his presence in this room is evident enough. He does the speaking, I, I, I don't. Moving further down in Romans 6, verse 8 through 11. 
Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Jesus is the Father's only message. He's the only thing that God draws attention to, is his son. We're not here to show you how to live a good life. We're we're here to show you how to live a God life. There's too many people in the church walking around, and they're passing people by every day so they can get to church. We've heard the excuses. Why were you late to church? I slept past my alarm clock, or I slept past my alarm clock, or man, the traffic was bad. But what if we heard people be like, man, why were you late to church? Well, I was on my way here, and I just saw someone, and Holy Spirit said, stop. Go talk to them. I want, I want those kinds of people coming in late. I want to be that guy. Someone who's so in love, so in love, hearts wide open, hands held high. We see your beauty and our voices cry. Does that make you tremble? When you look at this, when you see the cross, does it make you tremble on the inside or does it just make you think, oh, that's another cool picture of Jesus on a cross? The cross is not the revealing of our sin. It's the revealing of our value, of how much it costs heaven to buy you back. This is the gospel. The gospel is consistent all throughout. What it comes down to is living dead to sin and alive to Christ. Sin is the divorce paper to hinder the bride from being freely joined with her husband. Sin is an adulterer. Many times we associate sin, and we just think, well, sin is just this thing on the side. Well, I'm sorry, but if you're in a relationship, and the person you're talking to has someone else on the side, that's not commitment. You won't share your heart with that person, because their lifestyle does not reflect love. They don't love you. So what makes us think that we can live in love with him or think that we live in love with him while we're also. And so what I see here is I have died with Christ. Therefore, I have been raised up with Christ. He lives his life in me. And so it should be impossible for me to sin. It should be impossible. And many times we look at the disciples and we try to We try to wrap our heads around the fact of who can I relate with the most. Jesus didn't choose the disciples to show us who we could relate with. He chose the disciples to show us, look at these men, look where they came from, and look where they went. Look at the journey they traveled, yes. But when you're a Christian, living on this side of the resurrection should not cause us to still want to live a life on the other side of his death. Do you get what I'm saying? It's like, Peter, you're saved, all right? You give your life to Christ. All right, Jesus, 
come, I give you everything, everything I am, everything I have. And then you read the Bible, and you're like, man, I really relate to, to Peter, man. He's like cussing people out, and he's like cutting off guys' ears and everything. That was a picture of Peter as an orphan. But then he became a son. And then the very same Peter, many chapters later, the very atmosphere of the presence of God was on him so strong that his shadow cast across people and they were delivered and healed instantly. That's the Peter I want to relate to. Are you hungry this morning? Come and get some. Act out on it. We have too many people sitting in seats week in and week out saying, yes, I agree. But there's no action to it. I'm not saying this to condemn us. I'm saying this to challenge us. I'm challenged in myself to where now I feel like anytime I'm at work or anytime I'm out in public and I see someone in a wheelchair or with crutches or someone who's got a limp on instead of being like, man, that stinks. You know, God bless you. Like, hope, you, hope you're feeling better soon. Like, I've come into this. There's, there's such a thing as like a comfortable habit of being like, in Jesus' name, that can't be on you. I'm walking away. God will honor that and he'll still move. But there are things that happen when we say, hey, I noticed you were limping. Man, can I pray with you? I serve a God. This is what he does. This is where, this is his expertise. I had a guy the other day at work, and we moved furniture. And so he was doing something, tweaked his back, right, as he was just at the early, early part of his shift. And so he's having to work another six, seven hours in this, <laughs> you know, and he just tweaked his back. And he was walking around, and it was like the Lord was sending him my way because he just, every time he was close by to me, he was like, man, it's just like, it just feels a little off. And I was like, oh, man. I was like, what'd you do? And he was like, well, I just kind of like, I don't know, I just like bent myself the wrong way as I was taking it down. I just felt something like kind of move. And he was like, and now like my breathing feels weird. And I was like, wow, that's interesting. Walked away. <laughs> Like 20 minutes later, it comes back. We're like moving something. He, I was, I needed him help. I needed his help moving something else. So we move it. And then after we moved it, he's like, man, yeah, this stuff feels kind of weird, you know? And I'm like, oh man, dude, you must have like really got it good. Walked away. Strike two. And then the third time, we move something and he's like, yeah, no, it's like, and I'm like, okay, that's it. I was like, I can't blow it. I can't blow it here. I've got to pray for this guy. And so I just asked him, I was like, well, bro, where's it hurting? And he's like, ah, it's like, it's like right around, right around here. It's like, I just, I just feel it right there. It's just, you know, it's like my breathing has changed. And I was like, man, that sounds like something around the ribs. You know, we all become doctors when someone's like, oh, something doesn't feel right. He's like, oh my goodness, really? You know, it's like, we all have a PhD or something. I don't even know how universities work. It's weird. And so I just asked him, I was like, well, man, do you mind if I like lay hands on him and pray for it? And he was like, very deep voice. He was like, no. So I was like, all right. So I put hands and we're like in the middle of this, of this main aisle of the warehouse. And it's at a busy time because we're trying to clear the dock because we have a lot of shipment coming in. And so there's guys moving furniture around and here we are. And I'm like laying hands on him and guys are going around us with dollies and there's big, you know, thousand dollar couches moving by. But I'm like, I gotta pray for him right now. So I put my hand on his back and I pray for him. And right as I start praying for him, I see my other coworker come around the corner and he sees it. And he just like throws off, throws out a joke. And the guy I'm praying for is just kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like not even paying attention to what I'm doing. But I'm like, I am committed because first of all, I can't just 
no, nah, I can't do it. You know, it's like you're committed at that point. You have like, you're up to the plate. You're up at bat. You know, you can't just be like, yeah, I don't really think this is a good idea. You know, and so like I got my hands on him and I'm like, Jesus name, Holy Spirit, touch him. Anything that is not of you, Father, get out of his body right now. I speak to all of his muscles and ligaments to be into proper alignment. I speak to his rib cage that he, that, that nothing is, nothing is moved out or, or popped out of place. I'm not really like that specific with anatomy. You know, I'm just like, Jesus, it's wrong. So fix it, you know? And so I'm just praying for him. And then as soon as I finished praying, I like had to push through this barrier of like, it's uncomfortable, but it's worth it. And so as soon as I finished praying, he just turned around and he's like, hey, thanks. It feels a little bit better. And then he just went. But I looked at that and I was like, that was all I needed. That was all I needed. He felt a little bit better than he did before. And next time, I'm going to go and be, and I'm going to stop him. And I'm going to be like, no, hey, it feels a little bit better. OK, we need a lot better. Let's go again. Let's go again and go again and again and again and again. When we worship, you may think that we sing the same chorus again and again and again. But I'm sorry, but with the nation of Israel, when they saw Jericho, what the Lord say? I want you to march around Jericho again and again and again. Why? Breakthrough. But it's not just about breakthrough. He wants to see, are your hearts so in love with me that you'll trust no matter what I say, no matter how dumb it looks? Seven times, like, I mean, walk around, walk around, walk around. This is a stupid strategy. That's probably what some of them were thinking. But when they saw a breakthrough, they were like, this is the best thing we've ever done. <laughs> and I'm sure when they went to the next city, they were like, let's, all right, guys, get to, we're going to march around this time. The Lord's like, no, 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 I got something different for you guys. Let's not limit God to what we know about him. And I think that's where some of us, myself included, and the Lord's been taking me through this recently, is not limiting him to just speech. It's like when, 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 when he speaks to us, sometimes, like God gave us five senses, right? Dogs have the sixth sense. Yeah, so we have five senses. <laughs> just going to fact check myself, right? Everyone in here have five senses. Okay. With the five senses, what, you got taste, touch, hear, sight, smell. Why do we only limit God to speech? To hearing his voice. I think it's because that's the most common thread we see in the Bible, right? We, we look at the word and we're like, all right, and then God said, and then God spoke, and then God said, and they heard the Lord these things. But I think it's when we get to Acts 2 that we see him communicate in a different way. You see, in Acts 2, he breathes. And there's even another point before Jesus ascends to the right hand of the Father that Jesus breathed on his disciples. There's, he's, so, he's so much more multifaceted than we give him credit for. How about when you go home and you sit in his presence instead of saying, Lord, I, I, I need to hear your voice. Why don't instead be like, Lord, I want to feel, I want to feel your hand rest on my shoulder. Lord, I want to, when I step into the secret place, I want to smell the fragrance of you. Father, whenever, whenever I, I, I sit in the secret place or whenever I'm out in public, 
but it starts in the secret place. When I'm in the secret place, Father, instead of hearing your voice, I just want to hear you breathing. And see what happens. He's so much more multifaceted than we give him credit for. Because he created me with five senses, so then why would I only expect for him to want to communicate with me through one? Because isn't, I mean, married couples help me out here, but is it like, is it, is it true though that like one of the lowest forms of communication is speech? Like if you just tell one another, I love you, 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 I love you. That's one thing. But what if instead of saying I love you, you came up and you gave him a hug and just by the way they hugged you, you knew in your heart something. You knew in your heart, this is deep. Something could be happening later, I don't know. Or what if, you know, it could be you're in a room full of people and you spot them across the room and it's just the way they look at you and you know exactly what they're thinking. That's the intimacy Christ longs for. That when we're in a room full of people, full of distractions, we hone in on one thing and we say, hey, I see you. And just by the way he looks at you, you have a burden in your heart because you've aligned your will with his and what hurts him hurts you. And the things that you used to be able to sit and watch, you can't sit and watch anymore because your heart won't let you. Why? Because it's not your heart anymore. God, give us a heart transplant. He doesn't want to come and live in your heart. He's not about trying to change you. You know, we hear that a lot sometimes. It's like, oh man, the Lord, he, you know, it's like, don't try, to, don't try to change your spouse. Don't try to change your boyfriend. Let the Lord change them. I get the methodology. I get, I get the verbiage, but God's better than that. And the Lord, he, he's he going to give you a new boyfriend. He going to give you a new husband. Not in the way of bringing somebody else to you. That may be the case for whatever situation, but... He's about making things new. Anything that is in you that is not of him has to die. That's what I heard Benny Hinn said. He was, saying, he was talking about how, do you, how, how can you clearly hear the voice of the Lord? How can you clearly be in communion and fellowship with him? You got to die. This is, the only, <laughs> this is the only religion, this is the only relationship, or relationship, religion, sorry. This is the only relationship on the face of the earth that you have to die to live. There's other people, they give their lives, they live to die. But for us, it's we die to live. That's why Paul's going around with such confidence saying, you're never going to kill me because I'm never going to die. Why? Because he's living this out right here. So many times we fix our eyes on Romans 8. You know, we just look at the, we look at the header of Romans 8, life in the spirit. Yes! That's what I'm here for. Yes. I want to know how to live life in the spirit. But then you look back. Romans 7, the law and sin, released from the law. Romans 6, dead to sin, alive to God, slaves to righteousness. Romans 5, peace with God through faith, death in Adam, life in Christ. You can't have Romans 8 without Romans 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, and there's some people, I used to travel with a guy that kind of thought this way, and I, and, I, and I pray and I believe that the Lord has delivered him from this mentality now, but it was, it was almost as saying, I can sit down and I can watch these things, or I can, you know, fill myself with these things because, hey, I'm dead to sin. And that's a scary place to live. 
you have to finish the whole sentence. You're dead to sin, yes, only if you're alive to Christ. Being dead to sin is only possible when you're alive to him. If, you, if you're dead to sin, you're just dead. Jesus said to Martha and John, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Means he raises us and he sustains us. He's life. He's not just resurrection. If he was just the resurrection, then Lazarus is back down again. And Jesus is like, come forth, come forth, come forth, come forth, come forth. Just trying to keep him up. (laughs) You know? But Jesus is like, no. Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus comes out, and he lived many, 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 many more years. And he was a witness. He was a witness to the people around him, so much so that the Pharisees wanted to kill him, too. Boy, have you ever had God do such a miracle in your life that other people hated you more afterwards only because of what God did in your life? It's funny. Well, it's funny if you're dead already because it it can't hurt you. But we've heard dad say this before, is that we won't allow sin against us to produce sin in us. And there's people that are walking around today and they're hurt by what their dad did growing up or they're hurt by what their mom did growing up when it's important that we need to realize that outside of Jesus, there's no proper way that you can actually parent a child from a spiritual perspective. And so you're trying to do it out of your physical strength. And when you try to do it out of your physical strength, you're going to come up short. And so your kids who are looking at you as God, and so if you don't point them towards God, since you're God in their eyes, whatever you do will either make or break them. And we have a generation that's rising up and they're longing for authenticity, they're longing for identity, but they have, they've put their faith in what my parents have said about me and how my parents raised me. And my dad, he didn't love me because he wasn't even there. And my mom, she's been strung out on, on drugs and, and my, my home is broken. We have people with broken homes. It's in every city you go to. But it's important that we need to see these things and realize that it starts with us. Hurt people can't help hurt people get healed. We have to have moments like this where we come together, we give Jesus everything, and when you go home today, I challenge you, if you haven't done it, do it. Go home, start, start out with just 10 minutes and sit at his feet. Sit there and let him prune you. Let him mold you. Let him shape you because the world is counting on you. I love this song that I hear by Hillsong Young and Free, and it's the world outside your window. And there's a line that says, there's a world outside your window, so don't let it pass you by. We have been entrusted with a generation. We have been entrusted with a region. You think you're here just because you're here for a job? No. You're here for a job, but you're here to be a sign and a wonder and a witness. Jesus said, you are my disciples. Share the gospel in Jerusalem to Judea and to the far reaches of the world. But Jesus started in Jerusalem. He looked at a Jerusalem ready to kill him and said, the harvest is ripe. And you may be here this morning and you're thinking, little old me, I'm just here in Northwest Arkansas looking at a city full of CEOs and people that have absolutely no reason to need to trust God because they're doing great. But Jesus looks at them and says, the harvest is ripe. 
How can you look at people that way when you are dead and he lives his life in you? You see people through his lens. This is the gospel. The gospel is life-changing. And so I want us to take communion this morning. And guys, we can start passing out the communion unless it's already been given. Thank you guys so much, the usher team. Can we just give it up for our usher team real quick? Come on, just let them, ah, come on, let them know you love them. Come on, we love our ushers. You guys are incredible. I, I, I want us to have this, this, this mentality before we even partake of communion. Communion is having relationship. Communion is partaking in. Baptism is partaking in his death and his resurrection. And so I challenge you, if you're here and you want to get baptized, let us know. If you've never been baptized, come on, let's make it. Let's do it. We're going to go alongside you. But if you're here and you have been baptized, but you want to recommit, you want to get things right, or maybe you're just like, man, it's going to be really hot and I'm just going to want to get in the water, then hey, we'll bless that too. Let him touch you. Let him touch you. This is not just juice that I just spilled. This is not just crackers. This is his body, and this is his blood. It's Jesus. Jesus said, as often as you do this, do it in, remember, do it in remembrance of me. So don't, uh, don't take it yet, because I want to make sure that our hearts actually understand the weight of what we're doing before we take this. Galatians 2.20. Ephesians 2.20 says, my old identity, in the Passion Translation, says, my old identity has been co-crucified with Christ and no longer lives, and now the essence of this new life is no longer mine, for the anointed one lives his life through me. We live in union as one, my new life is empowered by the faith. Did you catch that? What did it say? The life is from the Lord. Mine for the anointed one lives his life through me. We live in union as one. Catch this. My new life is empowered by the faith of the Son of God who loves me. Are you living your life to where you can be empowered by him? When he looks at you, does he say, this is something that I want to bless in you? Or when he looks at you, is he saying, I want to I wanna do this, but you got a lot of stuff you need to cut off, and I'll help you cut it off. I feel like the church has been in a, um, help me say this right. I don't want to say like a pruning phase, but I feel, yeah. I feel like the, that's the only word that's coming to mind, so I'm going to go for it. I feel like the church has been in a pruning, a pruning phase for too long. In, in the sense of there's people that are coming to church and they're getting things cut off, but then throughout the week, things are just growing right back. There's nothing that's being changed. And so they're coming back to church and they're being cut again. And so the bush isn't growing because what was cut off last week is back again the next week. 
And there's not a thriving, there's more of a surviving, which is why I feel like we have more TED Talks than we do the gospel being preached, is because now people are just trying to tell you, here's how you can live, here's how you can make it through the week and make it to next Sunday. Just get to next Sunday, please do it for me. That's, that's not it. We're here to be pruned and to be molded and to be shaped. But once he cuts something off, don't try and run back to it. Don't try to relive once what once was. It may be a relationship. It may be an old habit. It may be whatever. Jesus paid too high a price for us to go back to what was. And so we have... We have his body. We have his blood. And there's power in the body, power in the blood. Jesus is keeping you together right now. As you sit there, he's the only thing that's keeping you from turning into a red blob. His blood runs through your veins. Sin is not a part of who you are. It was never your makeup. You were never meant for it. Anytime you go and you seek out your truth, you'll come to find out that you're actually just living out of someone else's truth that they said over you, and you thought it was truth. Nothing outside of Jesus is truth. He is truth. He is life. He is the way. And so as we look at these elements, we're not looking at just mere things that we've taken for years and years and years. Father, I pray now that you would breathe a freshness into what we have in our hands, that when we see the bread, we see you on the cross, broken, broken. You looked at your disciples and with 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 death in your eyes. You said, this is my body that's going to be broken so that you could know life because right now you're living as orphans. You're living as orphans and you need to live as sons because Jesus knew how would we respond to Jesus if we were in the upper room knowing what was about to happen to him? How would we respond? And so, let's take the body and let's just, let's just give this to Jesus because it's him. Father, we humble ourselves before you. Beautiful Jesus. This isn't a show. This isn't something that we're doing to try and impress people and show them how holy we are, Father. This is what we do because you said, do this in remembrance of me. And we are joined with you. Just as you died, we died with you. And just as you were raised up in glory, we have been risen with you, Jesus. And we choose to never take your body and your blood and forsake it. We choose to never take your body and your blood and to move past what, what it's actually for. This isn't just an act of church. This is an act of faith. 
This is an act of love as a bride beautifully crying out to her bridegroom, I can't wait to be joined with you. But until I am, I'm going to continuously love on you and spend time with you and honor you for as long as possible. And every person that I see has to know the price of this body. And so we receive it in faith. In Jesus' name, receive the body. thank you for the blood. We thank you for the blood. That life is in the blood. Life is in the blood. Life is in you, Jesus. Because we see here that Jesus, you are the burning bush that Moses spoke to, an all-consuming fire. You are the rock that Moses struck because just as water flowed from the rock, blood and water flowed from your side. Jesus, you are Jacob's ladder. Angels ascend and descend upon you. Father, you are Abraham's covenant. Jesus is our covenant with God. How good is the covenant? How good is Jesus? So Father, we take, we take this blood, we take this juice in remembrance of Jesus in remembrance of you, Father. And we don't take this to try and impress people. Father, check our hearts. Mold our hearts to look like you. I just see God right now just coming in and grabbing hold of people's hearts. Grabbing hold of people's hearts. Open yourself up to him this morning. He wants you. He wants you. Do you want him? And if you want him, come and get him. He's here. And he's telling you, I'm going to come and get you. So we thank you for the blood. Let's take the blood. Now just welcome Jesus. Just, Just thank him and welcome him. Just welcome him. Just thank him for his body. Thank him for his blood and welcome him. I believe now that he, in, in accordance with what the Lord had spoken through dad of just people that are dealing with any physical, any physical things. Don't worry, guys. He's just being ministered to by Jesus. Come on. So... Just invite Jesus right now. Just invite Jesus to touch you. If anyone needs healing in anywhere in their body, I feel like we need to act out on it right now. So I just feel specifically, a specific anointing for hips and lower backs. If you're in here and you have, if you have a, uh, if you have a hip that's out or if you have any, any, any pain there, I want you to just receive your healing right now. If you have back pain, I want you to receive your healing. There's healing in the blood. There's life in the blood. Jesus paid too high a price for us to live with something. He paid a price for us to live with only one thing, and that thing is him. So right now, 
I speak, Father, to hips and backs in Jesus' name. I command them to be realigned in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, that if there's anyone in here and you've been maybe looking at the possibility of, 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 of a hip replacement, I thank you, Lord, that you're giving them a hip replacement right now in Jesus' name. Father, grow our faith. Lord, we have to see it happen every time. We have to see the breakthrough. We have to see the manifestation happen every time. So we speak to those hips. We speak to those backs in Jesus' name. Herniated discs be completely healed and restored in Jesus' name. I also hear ankles. Father, I speak over ankles in the name of Jesus for no inflammation of any kind. Father, I thank you, Lord, that they'll be able to walk long distances pain-free in the name of Jesus. So I thank you, Father, for doing the work, for breathing on those parts of their body in the name of Jesus. So Lord, I just thank you. We thank you. Thankfulness leads to the breakthrough. So I thank you, Lord. Do your work. Do your work in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. So now if you're here and you have anything wrong with your hips or with your back or ankles or anything, I want you to exercise that. Just do it. Just do it right now. If you have anything, just begin to work it. Just begin to exercise it. If it was hurting you to bend over, try and bend over. If it was hurting you to twist, just start twisting. If it was hurting you before, just standing on your foot in a specific way, just start standing on it and just exercise the faith. Exercise the faith. If you still feel the pain, continue to thank the Lord. Continue to thank the Lord and have people around you continue to agree with you. It's all in the action. The action activates the faith. You can say all day, I believe I'm healed, I believe I'm healed, I believe I'm healed. But there comes a time when you have to get up and you have to walk, you have to move, you have to do things. He wants to touch you right now. He wants to touch you right now. Let him touch you. And lastly, if you're here this morning and you're like, I've heard this gospel, I've heard of this Jesus, and I know Jesus, but let me ask you something. Does he know you? Does he know you? Are you the person that says, I know him, I know him, yeah, I know he loves me. If you truly knew he loved you, it would probably move you to tears. I'm coming closer and closer to that point every day of being convinced of his love for me. But if you're here and you have not given him your life, he doesn't just want your heart. He doesn't just want your mind. He wants all of you. It's, a, it's, a, it's an exchange. He says, you give me all that you are and I give you all that I am. Once again, going back to Romans 6, let me live my life in you. So if you're here, with no one looking around, with no one paying attention to what anyone's doing. This is between you and him. Just you and him. Or if you're here and you know that you say you love him, but your actions have proved otherwise. It's time to make it right. It's time to get right with Jesus. We live in too important of days to squander the anointing. So if you're here and you want to make Jesus everything to you, or you love him, or you loved him, and you got off at any point and you want to reconnect with your first love, let me see your hand. If you're here and you want to rekindle the fire, or if you're here and you want the fire to burn for the first time, raise your hand. Let's make that decision. Come on, come on, come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 
So now, church, we're just going to pray this prayer. And for those of you who rose your hands, I want you to say this from every fiber of your being because Jesus loves you enough. He's worthy of us being willing to look dumb for a moment. But I guarantee you, it's just your physical body that thinks it's dumb. But it's actually your spirit that is about to awaken to a new life in Christ. So church, let's just, let's repeat this after me. Say, Jesus, you are my all. Oh, come on, let's say it with a little more conviction. Jesus, you are my all. I give you everything. I'm sorry for the life I lived, for the times that I lived as an orphan. But I come before you now, and I thank you for the cross, for the price that you paid that I could know you deeply and intimately. Come and breathe on the embers of my heart. Set me on fire, Jesus. I give all that I am to you because I know that you are giving all that you are to me in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, hey, can we just rejoice with those that just made that commitment? Come on. It says that all of heaven rejoices. No, like, let's give them praise. Give them praise for it. We just had people just commit to Jesus. Just give them glory. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You're wonderful and you're beautiful. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Just search Vision Church. If you would like to help support this ministry, you can do so at visionnwa.com forward slash give.